What's up, church? How we doing, everybody? We good? Man, wasn't that dad video just special? Didn't that just do something to you? Just get you right there. It's so cool. So cool. Dad, we love you. We honor all the dads. Just, I know we've honored them all day, but can we just take another minute and just give it up for all the dads? We love you, dads. You're the best. The best. Um, want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who's watching online right now. And, of course, everybody who's over at that South Side, South Campus, South Campus. We love you. We love you here. We love you there. And the best way we can show you is by clapping for you. So come on, would you put your hands together for everybody who's watching here, joining with us? All right, well, um, before we jump into our content, I want to give you just a little bit of a, a building update. You heard during announcements that we're going to be doing a little bit of reno, uh, a little bit of clean out of our, of our new location. And I wanted to give you a little bit of inspiration of what that's going to look like. We have been working uh, for several months now, laying out the plans. We really feel like God has given us a significant opportunity in an amazing location to reach people for Jesus Christ. We are so, so thrilled with it. Uh, but many of you are like, what is the building going to look like? All right, what is it going to end up looking like? And uh, here's one of the latest renderings. We're still working this out, but I wanted to show this to you. Here's what it's potentially going to look like. Isn't that phenomenal? That's just so exciting. So that will be done in phases, and you're going to be hearing more and more about that over the coming weeks. In August, we're going to lay out a whole uh, campaign. We're actually going to do a campaign in September. So you're going to be hearing more details about all of this. But we are just thrilled about what God's doing. And thank you for some of you who have already jumped in. We haven't even started our campaign, but uh, we've already had $150,000 come in uh, for the campaign. So that's really, really exciting. And uh, God is going before us in a powerful way. And he's showing us that the best is truly yet to come. And if you believe that, say, I do. I really do. Um, I'm glad you do too. Um, well, we are in a series that we have called Be Wise, all right? And the reason we've called it Be Wise is because God has wisdom for us and we need wisdom. We need wisdom. There are decisions that you and I face every single day. In fact, we've been talking about this over the last few weeks, but the average person makes 35,000 decisions a day. That's a lot of decisions every single day. Some of those are easy. They're cut and dry. You're like, yes, no. Some of those are a little bit more challenging. Some of those are kind of like multiple choice where multiple answers can be the right one. And that's what we need. Wisdom. You need wisdom. You got to know what to do in the situations that aren't quite as simple. And this is a great message for Father's Day uh, because dads need wisdom, especially dads of daughters. Can I get an amen? I mean, nothing can drive you to prayer more like having a daughter, right? All right. And so, in fact, it reminded me of, of this, this video that came out a few years ago. So cute. It's this, it's this dad. He's doing a little selfie video uh, with his daughter. They're, they live in Scotland, so they got these great Scottish accents. And she wants a boyfriend, except she's four. And he's like, no, you can't have a boyfriend. I don't know if you ever saw this, but I want to show this to you. It's really, really funny. Check it out. Hey, what are you saying? Because I'm not letting you get a boyfriend. Why not? Because you're not getting one. Dad, I can get a boyfriend if I want to get a boyfriend. Daddy will break his legs. No. Yes, I will. Dad, I... And guess what will happen after that? What? See, your boyfriend's daddy. Mm -hmm. Daddy will take him hostage and keep him in a cupboard. Dad, listen. I want a boyfriend if I want to get a 
You're not getting a boyfriend, you're going to be a nun. You're going to be a nun. You're going to work for Jesus. No, I'm not. I'm going to get a boyfriend. They're who you're going to work for. They're who you're going to work for. End of story. Give that dad a hand because you know he needs it right there, all right? How I many you know he's needing wisdom each and every day with that daughter, all right? She is definitely driving him to prayer. And, and uh, we need wisdom. There are going to be decisions like, what do I do? I'm not sure how to lead the situation. And that's where wisdom comes in. And this is the working definition that we've had throughout the series. It's this. Wisdom is knowing what to do, how to do, when to do, and then doing it. Okay, so that's wisdom. It's knowing what to do, when to do, how to do it, and then actually doing it. Because wisdom is best when it is applied. Now, here's the good news. We need wisdom. We've got situations that we need wisdom for, and God wants us to have it. And that's the book of Proverbs, okay? So Proverbs is this book in the Old Testament. If you're new to church, new to the Bible. And it's written by this guy named Solomon. And he was the wisest person to ever live. And he writes this book, and he's writing it to his son, and he's basically saying this. Son, more than inheritance, more than a lot of money, more than position or prestige, or more than a lot of things that I could give you, the best thing that I can give you is wisdom. And he writes this book called Proverbs, where he's just instilling all of his wisdom. And that's what we've been covering as we walk through this series, all right? We've been looking at Proverbs, the wisdom of Proverbs. And we've talked about wisdom in general. We've talked about wisdom with our words. We've talked about wisdom with our finances. We've talked about wisdom in our relationships. And if you've missed any of those messages, I want to encourage you, go online, check them out, summitparkchurch.com. You can download the app. You can watch. You can catch up because they are all giving us practical wisdom on how to live the life that God wants us to live, all right? So we've talked about all of those things. Today, I want to talk about having wisdom in our work, okay? Wisdom in our work. Now, as soon as I say work, some of you are bitter. You're like, Scott, it's Sunday. I don't want to talk about that. Monday's tomorrow. I just want to talk about vacation. Like, vacation is a lot better than work. But can we just be honest? Work is a pretty big deal because we spend a lot of our life working. Uh, 30% of human life is spent working. Everybody say, that's a lot, <laughs> Come on, everybody at both locations, say, that's a lot. Okay, um, let me just take a pause for a moment. I want to just get a little group participation, okay? So turn to the person next to you, say, this means you. Tell someone next to you, say, this means you. Okay, so we just talk to each other. We talk back to me, and that's okay. Everybody say, that's a lot. <laughs> there we go. Now we're having fun. On an average, most people spend about 25 to 30 years working. Everybody say, oh, man, <laughs> that's a lot of work. Now, this is a lot, especially if you don't like your job. <laughs> now, let me just ask you, how many of you, you do love your job at both locations? Just raise your hand. You love your job. You look forward. Look at this. A lot of people like their job. I'm looking at all the church staff. I'm looking at you, church staff. There's a little test. I'm looking at you. But some of you love your job. Some of you tolerate your job. Some, how would you say you tolerate your job, okay? You tolerate your job. And then how many of you say no comment? You just say no comment. I, I don't want to talk about it. All right. So, so it brings up a lot of emotions. Work brings up a lot of emotions. And this is really important, especially for fathers, because dads, come on, let's just shoot straight for a moment. All right. This is, this is a big deal to us. What we do, right? What we do is a big deal. In fact, when you see two guys that don't know each other, when they meet each other, 
there are a few things that happen. The first thing is their grip gets like instantly stronger. You know what I'm saying? Like when a guy shakes another guy's head, it's like, it's like they try to hurt each other. Like it's like, like just to show how manly they are. It's just something that happens, a little secret. Girls, you didn't know this, but this is what we do, all right? It's intrinsic. I don't know why. And then our voices get lower, right? Instantly lower. No, no guy meets another guy and be like, hey, how you doing? Nobody does that. It's like, hey, how you doing? I'm Scott, Scott Eastwood, you know, like, it's like, something happens, like, can I get that Clint Eastwood stare, um, and then we ask, what do you do, right, like, it's just, like, there's a couple things that happen, what do you do, our work is a big deal to us, and, and Solomon talks a lot about work, but what, what I want to do is not just talk about our jobs, but what Solomon really keys in on, he, he keys in on how we do our jobs. He keys on a greater reality, and that is our work ethic. That's what he talks about. And really, when you look at the definition of work, this is really important because the definition of work is this. Sustained physical or mental effort to overcome obstacles and achieve an objective or result. Okay, so just leave that up there for a second. When you think about that, that's not just your job, that's everything, right? Like how many of you know that's life? Like that's life, you are gonna face things every single day where you have to have sustained physical or mental effort to overcome obstacles and achieve an objective or result. This is your relationships, this is your money, this is your job, work and how we do our work. So the most important question that we need to ask is not what, not what work do we do, but how do we do the work that we do? It's not what, it's how. And Proverb speaks a ton to this. And that's what I wanna look at today. Now, when you look at Solomon's life, he was an incredibly hard worker, all right? He did a lot of stuff. He was, he was always building something. In fact, when you look in Ecclesiastes, he'll talk about all the stuff that he built. He built parks, he, bi he built palaces, he builds the temple that was, was a marvel in that day. He, he builds it, he makes it happen, he gets after it. He's a delegator, he's empowering things, he's making things happen. But when he goes to talk about work ethic, he doesn't point to himself and say, hey, look at all the stuff I did. He actually wants us to look at ants. Ants, now not like uncle and ant, but like ants the bug. He wants us to look at bugs. All right, that's what he wants us to do. And, and it's very interesting. We're gonna look at a passage of scripture, Proverbs chapter six. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have your phones, you can pull that up in the screen. But he's gonna talk to us about ants. Now, I wanna just take a moment and show you how cool ants are, all right? Here are a couple pictures of ants. You've seen a lot of ants, but ants are really amazing when you think about it. Look, they work together. They carry things that are, that are heavier than themselves. They can carry up to 20 times their weight. That's like you and I putting a Corolla on our back and walking around, all right? That's, that's what that's like. And they're very cool, they're very intricate, they're very detailed. You can see this next picture, how like just amazing ants are. And what Solomon does when he starts talking about work ethic, he goes, I want you to think about ants. I want you to think about ants. And again, when you read the book of Proverbs, Solomon's constantly trying to compare the foolish person to the wise person. He's like, don't be a foolish person, be a wise person. And so he's like, I want to talk to you about work ethic. And I think what Solomon's doing, because he's a hard worker, he's seen some people who are not hard workers. 
And he's like, hey, listen, I want to show you. Like, there's a reason things aren't going well for you. Like, the, you're not a hard worker. You're not a focused worker. You're not working for the Lord. You're, there's some things you need to do different. And I, instead of just pointing to me, I want you to look at the ant. All right, so Proverbs chapter 6, this is what he says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. If you're ready to jump in, say, I am. All right, let's do this, Proverbs chapter 6. He says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Yeah, I love how Solomon just doesn't mince words, all right? You know, he's not trying to be politically correct here. He's just like, listen, you're lazy, all right? And there's a way for you to get unlazy. You can look at the ant. And he says, consider its ways and be wise. That's our series, be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, has nobody micromanaging him, nobody telling him he has to do this or that. And yet, it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. So it gets to work. The ant is not lazy. The ant is aware of what needs to happen. And it says this, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. He says, I want you to be wise, and the way you're going to be wise is you're going to get to work. Now, this is super practical. I want you to think about your relationships. I, think you want, I want you to think about your jobs. I want you to think about every aspect of your life as you process this message. Super practical, okay? I want to show you five things. It's this. Work what you have. Work hard. Work focused. Work for God. But let God do the heavy lifting, okay? Work what you have, work hard, work focused, work for God, and let God do the heavy lifting. We're gonna read through this. I'm gonna show you how he's gonna show us the ant is the key, and we're gonna walk away better as a result. All right, we can jump in before we do. I want you to find six people next to you and say, man, you gotta work it. Come on, tell six people, you gotta work it. You have got to work it. All right, first thing is this. Work what you have. One of the amazing things about ants, and Solomon is telling us this, is they don't need anybody to tell them to do something. They just do it. They just get to work. They instinctively know that if they don't work, they won't eat. Now, let me just ask you this. How many of you want to do something big in life? You want, you want your life to count for something. How many of you want your life to matter in a significant way? Just raise your hand in both locations. All right, most of us. A couple people are like, no, nah, I'll just settle for average. <laughs> I'll just settle for just the old middle of the road. But most of us want something to happen. We want something big. And here's what, here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. I believe that God wants to do something big in your life. I believe God's a big God. I believe he has big dreams for his people. And I just want to speak that into your life. God wants to do something significant in your life. He 100% does. He wants you to believe, he wants you to pray, he wants you to seek him, and he wants you to experience it. I believe that's God's will for God's people. I really do. I think there's so many scriptures that can prove that. But what's interesting and what can be challenging at times is that we can believe God for something big, but we're unwilling at times to take the small steps necessary to bring it about. God wants to do something great, but sometimes it might look like something small. It might look like taking a small step. Now, how many of you know, like when you look at the ant, you know, the ant in your backyard, he's going to take the opportunity that he has in front of him. He's going to work what he has. How many know the ant isn't just like, like curled up in a lawn chair with his legs up? 
just being like, oh, one of these days I'm going to find me a piece of cake. It's going to be a great cake. I'm not talking about cheap cake. I'm not talking about something out of a package. I'm going to talk about homemade birthday cake. I'm going to wait for that perfect cake just to come down and those crumbles, and it's just going to fall right in my lap. And once it does, I'm going to store that cake, and it's going to be great all winter long. How many know that's not what the ant's doing? Like, the ant's like, I'm not waiting for cake. I'm settling for bread. How many know that crusty piece of garlic bread he's good with? How many know that old apple core he's fine with? That old banana peel he's great with? That, that little potato chip that just fell from someone's mouth, disgusting, he's cool with it. He's not picky. He's not choosy. He's working what he has. And that's what we have to get in, in, in front of us. Sometimes you got to work what you have. Work the opportunity in front of you. It's never going to be perfect. Can I get an amen? Your opportunity, the thing that God wants to do, it's never going to be perfect. And if you wait for perfection, you're going to miss out. God wants to do something big in your life, but it might look small. I've seen this with people sometimes. They wait for the, the perfect opportunity. And you know what? They never get any opportunity. They wait for the perfect friend, and they never have any friends. They wait for the perfect job, and they don't get a job. Sometimes you need to work the job that you have. Come on, somebody. You need to get after it. You need to take the opportunity that's in front of you. And when you do, what, what the Bible says and what Solomon says is God will be right there and he will bless you. He will bless you. Proverbs 28, 19 says this. Those who work their land, everybody say work it. Those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies will have their fill of, will have their fill of poverty. What's he saying? He's saying a lot of times... We're like, oh, but look at that land over there. Now, that's good land. Oh, if I had that land, it's a lot bigger. The soil's better. Oh, man, there's already trees on it. That would be great land for me. A lot of times people are like, oh, if I could only have that. But you know what Solomon is saying? What about what you already have? Why don't you work what you have? You can apply this mentality to every aspect of your life. Apply this to your stuff, the things that God's already given you say, all right, this, this is the stuff I have. I got to work it. I got to take advantage of it. I got to be thankful for it. And I got I to gotta work it. What, you could apply this to the job that you have, for sure. You could also apply this to the relationship that you have. This is what he's saying. Those who chase fantasies come to poverty. But when you work, when you work what you have, then you get a reward from that. You get a return from that. He's saying, I want you to invest in the thing that you already have. Husbands, wives, this is great marriage counseling right here. Invest in the relationship that you already have. Don't be looking over there. Don't be looking across the street. You look right in your house and say, this is what I have, and I am going to work it. I'm going to invest in it. I'm going to pour into it. Then you will reap a return, return out of it. God has something great. God has something good that he wants to do, but that greatness may start small. That's what Zechariah 4 says. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see you work it. He just says, get after it. Just start doing something with what you have. Just start putting it into practice. Just start getting some counseling and work on that marriage. Just start reading a book, a little parenting book. Start growing those parenting skills. Just start doing something. 
It starts small, but it will yield great results. Some of you, God wants to do something huge in your life. He has great opportunities for you. And you know how you're going to get there? By working what you have. Amen? All right. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. Work hard. Work what you have. And when you find what you have, work that thing hard. The ant is a hard worker. You can, the, the ant loves to overcome obstacles. You can put like, have you ever messed with ants? You know, just kind of like as a kid or maybe as a sick adult, you like just kind of mess, mess with ants. You know, just kind of put stuff in front of them just to see, you know what they do? Like, oh, now what are you going to do, ant? Now what are you going to do? You know what they do? They figure it out. They don't go, oh, man, this is so hard. I guess they're just going to stop. They got hard. I guess we're just going to give up. I'm just going to lay here and die. An ant finds the way, doesn't it? An ant finds a way. Solomon talks about this. It's hard work, Proverbs chapter 14. All hard work brings a, po- a profit. But mere talk leads only to poverty. You can talk a lot or you can just get to work. Proverbs 12 says this, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. Like when you work hard, it's going to go well for you. Again, this is the way of wisdom. It's hakmah. It's laid into found the foundation of the, of the world. We've been talking about this in the series. These are generally true. It's not always true, but it's generally true. When you work hard, you will bring about something successful. Hard work. Some of you are like, man, that just sounds hard. I'd rather talk about vacation. Here's the thing. We have to understand that hard work is not to be avoided. It's actually to be invited because we are actually created for it. We're actually created for hard work. And there is a joy that comes from hard work. Dads, you know this. Come on, dads, let's have a moment. There's maybe no greater joy on the planet than mowing that grass. You get those lines all straight, right? How many know, like, there's, like, you get those lines straight, you kind of just like to walk and just look at it. Like, look at the neighbors. I don't know. Did you guys see this? Perfection. Get the, get the, the, the weed trimmer? I don't know. What, what is it called? Edger? Whatever, how, whatever you call it, that thing. And just, just get a nice little buzz cut. There's nothing better, right? There's actually one thing better, having your son do it. That started this year. That's like the win-win. <laughs> but there's the order, like cleaning the garage, working hard, getting that garage all clean. Just like, oh, yeah, look at that. Getting that car cleaned out, right? Getting the car cleaned out, just getting all the, my kids, I have to do, this is a weekly thing, like a thorough deep clean. If I don't, it will be a landfill. And parents know what I'm talking about? Like land, I'm like, I don't even know how, we don't even have that much stuff. And it's all in the car. So we're like, but there's nothing better. Sometimes I get that car cleaned, get all vacuumed out, all the cracks, and I'll just sit in it. This is looking around. Because you know why? We're made to work hard. Do you know why? Because God is a worker. God is a worker. God works hard. And he actually gave us a job to do at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 2. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. To work it. And take care of it. He didn't put him in for a vacation. 
He, put, he didn't put them in. Now, taking a vacation is good and appropriate, but there's a rhythm that God instills from the very beginning. It's we work and then we rest. And it's actually that we, that we work from our rest. That's actually the rhythm that God in, uh, instills from the very beginning. We work from our rest. He gives us a job. Now, here's the thing that happens right from the beginning. See, all of this is very important to understand. Hard work is not to be avoided. It's to be invited. But our work is extra hard because it's cursed. It's cursed. So Genesis 3 talks about this. Satan comes, tempts Adam and Eve. They give in, and all of a sudden, there's a curse that comes on creation. Look at this. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles, and you will eat the plants of the field. So it's almost like creation at the very beginning did not have thorns and thistles. It was work, but it wasn't it wasn't as difficult as work is today. He says, verse 19, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. He's saying this, the ground fights you back. You try to plant it, and it fights you back. So you try to do a project, that project fights you back. Try to lead your employees, and your employees fight you back. Try to lead your kids, and your kids fight you back. Back. There's a curse on this. It's not that the whole thing is cursed. It's, it's not that the whole thing is bad. It's just that there's a curse on it, and so it's extra difficult. But here is the beauty of Christianity. Work is good. It's cursed, but we don't have to work alone. The beauty of Christianity is that Jesus came to die on a cross to make God very present and accessible for us and to us, and when we call on him, when we lean on him, we can have his help in the work that we do. So we can have God involved. So when you go up against that project and it's not happening, it's not working, you're like, ah, ah, this is difficult. You know what you can do? God, will you come through for me? God, give me wisdom. God, will you help me with this? And he's right there. God wants to be involved in your work. He wants to be involved in things that you do. And when you, when you bring God into it, 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 there's some really cool things that happen. You get some miracles. You get some growth in your life. And you get closer to God. That's pretty stinking cool. So work what you have. Work hard. Then work focused. Work focused. The ant is focused. It just keeps doing its thing. It just keeps plugging away. It's focused on winter. See, the ant knows winter is coming. Winter's coming. And it's just like, I got to get food. I got to get food. I got to get food. I'm not made for the snow, so I've got to get food. I've got to get food. I've got to store up now. I've got to stay focused on the end game. Can I just take a moment and say, I really believe it's more difficult than ever to stay focused on what really matters. Isn't it? We've got more distractions today than we've ever had. Social media, 24-hour news channels, constant negativity. You have got to push past a lot of distractions to stay focused on what God wants you to be. You got to stay focused, but when you are, you're going to yield great results. Jesus does this in Mark chapter 5. He's on his way to heal a daughter who was sick, but she dies on the way. And he still goes because he has something to do. Look at Mark chapter 5. He says this, why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but asleep. 
Verse 40 says, but they laughed at him. How many of you know when you go to do what God has called you to do, there are going to be some people who laugh at you? When you start believing, when you start experiencing God moving your life, there are going to be some people who don't like it. There are going to be some distractors. There are going to be some detractors. There are going to be some people who are hating on what God's doing in your life. They're going to laugh at you. But watch how Jesus handles the distractions. He says, after he put them all out. See, that's what we have to do in our life a little bit. We got to get a little bit of that in us where we say, you know what? I've got a lot of distractions. I need to push out the noise. I need to turn off the TV. I need to delete the social media account for a little while because I've got something I need to do, and this is keeping me from doing what God has called me to do. Amen? Sometimes you got to get that in you where you say, I'm not going to allow all of this noise to keep me from doing what God wants me to do. And go on to finish the, 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 the passage. He says, he took her by the hand and he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. He put them out. Sometimes that distraction could be close. It could be a family member. So you can't literally put them out. You can't literally get rid of them, but you need to turn off the noise. You need to say, hey, I'm done, I'm done listening to that. Some of you need to put out some negativity. You put out some distraction. Turn off the Netflix. Turn on the Word of God. And speak life, speak hope, speak vision, speak purpose into your life. Remind yourself why you're here and why you are doing what you are doing. Because the stakes are really significant. We don't stay focused. We can miss out on all that God wants to do. David, King David, right? He missed out on what God wanted to do. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 11, in the spring... At the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. There came a point where just, he just got bored with it. He just got bored with doing what he was supposed to be doing. He, he lost his focus. And because he lost his focus, then Bathsheba shows up. Then temptation shows up. And then everything goes spirally bad for him. You can read the story this week on your own, but it just goes bad for him. Sometimes you got to say, you know what? I'm not going to allow this distraction to limit me from what God wants me to do. All right? So you got you to work what you have. You got to work hard. You got to work focused. Then you got to work for God. You got to work for God. The ant knows it has a purpose. The ant knows it has a purpose. And in fact, Solomon will talk about this, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. This is at the end of everything. At the end of all of his wisdom, he says this. At the end of, at the, end of the matter, all has been heard. You know what this is all about? Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. You know what he's saying? This whole thing is about honoring God. This whole thing, everything we do is all about honoring God. It's all meant for the glory of God. You know, that, that video we saw at the beginning of that, that dad and his, and his daughter you may not have caught this because he talks so fast with this awesome Scottish accent, but he's saying, you know, she's like, I want a, I want a boyfriend. And he's like, he's like, you got to be a nun, you know. you got to work for Jesus. And it's interesting because, like, that's kind of what we think, right? We think, oh, if you go be a nun or a priest or a pastor, then you work for Jesus. Do you know the truth? All of us work for Jesus. We're all 
if you're, if you're a child of the king, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, then everything we do is for the glory of God. Everything. So whether you work at Cerner or T-Mobile or Pizza Hut, what you do is for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. You can honor God with it. You can reach people through it. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. Take that with you tomorrow as you go to work. Now, you probably don't need to tell your boss that I'm not serving you. I'm serving Jesus. Like, it's a quick way to get fired. <laughs> so don't do that. But in your spirit, just have, God, I'm doing this for your glory. God, I'm doing this for your honor. I want to bring you glory with what I do and how I do it. Everything, the conversations I have, the meetings I go through, the way I lead my kids, the way I clean my house, I'm doing this for the glory of God. It's all worship. Do you know how much power that, that comes from that? I'm not just here. I'm not just an accident. I'm not just getting a paycheck. I'm not just waking for the, waiting for the weekend. I'm working for God and I'm bringing him glory in everything I do and in the way that I do it. But the most important thing that I want to encourage you is we're talking about all of this. You can work with what you have, work hard, work focused, work for God. That all of those things are important. That's Proverbs. That's wisdom. But let me tell you the wisest thing any of us can do, and it's this. Let God do the heavy lifting. Let God do the heavy lifting. Scott, what are you talking about? It's understanding that the most important thing that you and I can understand about all of life is that there is a God who loves us, who wants us to know who he is, and that we don't get to him by our works. You don't get to him by your works. So doing enough good things, helping enough old ladies across the street, helping out at the soup kitchens enough, like doing all of those things to try to get to God, it doesn't get it done. In fact, the Bible says that, that, that our good works, that all of our good works, they're just like a pile of dirty rags. It's not enough to get to God. It's not enough because God is perfect, and you and I can never be perfect. But here's the amazing thing. God loves us so much that he sent his perfect son to be perfect for us. His perfection covers our imperfection. His holiness makes up for our lack of holiness. This is what 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is saying, talking about what true wisdom is in, in, is all about. First Corinthians chapter 122. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. We preach Jesus on a cross. We preach Jesus dying. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense. This is a, he says this. That's a stumbling block. That's a stumbling block to Jews. It's foolishness to Gentiles. Why would God need to die? It doesn't make any sense. But he says this. But to those whom God has called... Those who, those who recognize that this isn't an accident, that our good works couldn't get there. He says, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So Jesus is the, 
the wisdom of God communicated, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. You can't get to God on your own. But praise God, God got to us. That's it. That's the gospel. And the wisest thing we can do is put our, is put our hope in that. And not go through this life striving and straining and trying to earn God's favor and trying to make God like us and worried, oh, man, I I did this one thing and now I'm out. No, if you're a follower of God, you're in. You're in. Now, you you got to get in to be in, and that's up to you. But once you're in, you're in. God loves you. He covers you. His grace is there. And you know what he wants to bring to you? Rest. God, you're talking about work. This whole sermon is about work. What are you talking about? Wisdom, yes. Wisdom and work. But do you know what God wants to bring? Rest. Jesus' words himself, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you a lot to do, and I will give you a bunch of to-do lists, and I will give you a bunch of religion. Is that what it says? What does it say? Rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you know that Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law for you because you can never fulfill it on your own? While we're here, we get a chance to work for God. We get a chance to honor God with our work. We get a chance to work focused and experience the benefit that comes from it. But here's what I want to tell you. At the end of the day, what really, really matters is you and God being right. And you can't work that. You can never work that. He's already done it, though. He's already done it. He's already paid the price. He died on the cross so we wouldn't have to. He paid the price, so the price we could never pay, so we wouldn't have to pay it. That's the good news of the gospel. So at the end of the day, you can do all the stuff. You say, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm just just trusting in you. And you know what that allows you to do at night? (sighs) Rest. Then you get up the the next day, you work, and then you just go, God, I did that for you. I gave you glory, and you're able to rest. And then you get to rest for eternity as well. In the presence of God, there is nothing better and there's nothing more important. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this message, this good word, Lord, from you. Certainly so much wisdom to be had in our work ethic and how we do what we do. But, Lord, ultimately, at the end of the day, we want to be right with you. And that's something we could never bring about no matter how many good works we do. So, Lord, we just thank you for the grace of God. We thank you for the goodness of of Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending your son to make a way for us. And so, Lord, I pray that every one of us would have that, would have a revelation of that. We would understand how good you are and what you want to accomplish in our lives. And, Lord, it would just, it would permeate our lives in such a powerful way. It would change us from the inside out. And it would give rest for our souls. And I pray for every person who's here, Lord, maybe for some of those that are away from you right now, that, God, I pray in the next few moments there would be a decision made. There would be a decision made to follow you and make you Lord of your life. We thank you for it. 
With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to take a moment. I want to ask you a question, simple question, and it's the most important question you'll ever answer. It's do you know God? Are you right with God? The whole point of Jesus coming is to show us that we could never get to God on our own, that our good works could never do it. But the beauty of Jesus coming is that simple faith in Christ, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says this, whoever, whoever calls on the name of God, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will find salvation and you will find rest for your souls. It's available. It is here. It is now. And it is the best thing. If you're here today and you're saying, Scott, this is speaking right to me. And you have to be honest. You say, you know what? I'm not right with God. You're at the South Campus. You're online. You're saying, you know what? I'm not right with God, but I want to be. God wants to change your life. And all you have to do is say yes to God. You're hearing you say, man, this is speaking to me. Maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, you're saying, I need to make a decision to follow God. I need to get right with Jesus. And that's not by your own works. That's by his. You need to put your faith in God. If you're here and you're saying, this is speaking right to me, I want to make a decision to follow Christ. Would you just raise your hand? I don't want to embarrass you, but I do want to just recognize you. And I just want to pray for you. Hands going up. I see that. Just raise your hand and say, Scott, would you pray for me as you get ready to pray? Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. South Campus, raise your hand. Just, just hold it up. Online, interact with the chat. We want to pray. We want to believe God to do something powerful in your life. Yeah, hands going up. Father, I pray for every person at the North Campus, at the South Campus, watching online who's interacting with us. Father, I pray that you would speak and that you would bring about a closeness with you. That there'd be a moment of decision right here that literally changes their eternity, but it changes their now as well. Allows to live with real rest and real purpose and real grace right here and right now. And Father, we pray for it. We ask you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you stand with me, church? I just want to take a moment. And we do this every week. We always want to respond. And so I just want, I want you to just, just get real with God. Maybe some of you said, man, I would make a decision to follow Christ. Man, I want to pray for you. It's going to be a great moment. But for, for, for all of us, can we just pray about our work ethic, how we do what we do? And just surrender it to the Lord and say, God, we want to bring you glory in this. Would you lift your hands all across this place at the South Campus as well? And just lift your life to God. And just say, Lord, I'm trusting this to you. Lord, I'm giving you every aspect of my life. I'm trusting you. I'm believing you. If you made a decision to follow Christ, you say, God, I want to follow you. This is your time to do business. your time to find Jesus, find the grace of God. He will change you from the inside out. Lord, we love you. And we praise you and we dedicate our lives to you. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for letting us experience all of your goodness and all of your grace, Lord. Just give our lives right back to you. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.